I like it when we're close to each other because we're going to be doing some practicing and so you're going to want to be next to people and I just like I like that I like us to be together I'm excited you guys came it's a scary topic how to share Jesus using gospel appointments but I really want to encourage you guys that you can do it so that's why I titled the workshop you can share Jesus using gospel appointments my name is Paul Worcester, and so just let me go ahead and pray. Father, thank you just for the way you use us. And I pray that each person in here, including me, would be able to concentrate, be able to just hear what your Spirit is saying, that you would communicate what you want through this workshop, and all of us would uh, be more liberated, more encouraged, that we can um, reach people with the gospel. And I pray this in Jesus' name. So you guys heard a little bit about my story last night and this tool about gospel appointments. So there's just, before I get into the nuts and bolts of how to do it, there's two things I want you guys to flip over the notes I gave you and just get a blank piece of paper. There's two things that God has done in my heart as far as evangelism that has been really encouraging. The first concept is the concept of sowing broadly. That has been a huge thing for me. I think about my campus. Think about your campus. There's 25,000 students on my campus. Out of the students on my campus, 23,000 of them don't have a relationship with Christ. And so that is just something that's not, not okay. And that leaves me, if I make it my goal just to have three non-Christian friends and wait three years before I share the gospel with them, I'm not going to reach my campus. And so that's just practically... And I want you guys... So what campuses are here? we got CU. Nice jacket. And you guys have about like 30,000 on your campus, right? What other campuses do we have here? Mines. Not mines? How many do you guys have? 5,000? Okay, there you go. That's plenty of people. What about... What other campuses do we have? UNT. UNT where? How many people? 12,000. 12,000? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Are you a math major or something? No. <laughs> you see this concept of sowing broadly. I see it all through Scripture. You see it in the way Jesus, when, he, when Jesus started His ministry, He had this big crowd in one town, and they were coming to Him. They were like, oh man, Jesus, maybe we should start a mega church. Maybe we should start doing satellite feeds out. And you know, I don't know. He was, but He said this verse in Mark 1. If anyone knows the reference, He says, I actually haven't memorized it. It's, he says, I need to go to these other towns and preach there also, for that is why I've come. Uh, do you remember the reference, Max? Uh, okay. Well, then I'm in good company. So, But it's in there. It's in Mark 1. So go find it, okay? You see it when Jesus sent, in Luke 9, when Jesus sends out the disciples two by two. He sends them to all the towns and villages in the area, searching for people of peace, going to every, door-to-door every person, finding the person that God's opened their hearts. And um, on our campuses, there are hundreds, I believe, of students that are open to the gospel. And we just need to go find them. There are people of peace that God's Spirit is working in that can open up doors to lost pockets of people on our campus, on your campuses. And uh, I just get excited thinking about that, the potential of just the people whose lives that can be changed. You see it in the apostles in Acts, the way they did their witnessing. They didn't overanalyze. They they weren't too calculated. The gospel just spread. It was a movement. You also see this sowing broadly of the gospel in every major church planning movement, every revival in history since Jesus came, is there, it's been marked by people just boldly proclaiming the gospel and, and not, being, not overanalyzing, is this the right time? They, they just did it, and then they figured it out after. Recently, there's this new thing. There's a thing going on right now in the world. It's called church planning movements. And it's one of them, the largest one. Let's see if I can find it here. Since two, they started in 2001, this one missionary and his wife, and they decided there was... You know, millions of people there in China, and there was millions of people to reach. And so they said, well, I don't know what to do. I guess we'll share the gospel and then disciple the people that we reach and train them to share the gospel. And they just, but the way they did it was they broadly sowed the gospel. The numbers here is really exciting. It, since 2001, they've seen, they've recorded 1.7 million baptisms. 
just starting from one man and his wife, just boldly proclaiming the gospel, sowing the seeds broadly, and they've started 150 new churches. And it's just become this, this massive church planning movement. There's... This is happening all over the world. If you want to read a good book, it's called Church Planning Movements by David Garrison. It'll really challenge your thinking. It's, it's a little bit out-of-the-box stuff. But in this book, he gives a list of ten things that are part of every church planning movement. And the first thing is prayer. Very strong emphasis on just... I forget how they word it, but it's like extreme prayer. And so people are just praying like crazy. But the very second thing on the list of ten is called, what he says is abundant evangelism. And I'm going to read you a little snippet from this book about some of the things they're learning about evangelism. If prayer links a church planning movement to God, then evangelism is the connection with the people. Essential to every movement is the principle of over-sowing. Just as nature requires a tree to drop thousands of seeds to produce a single sapling, or a human body to generate hundreds of eggs to yield a single baby, so it is with evangelism. In church planning movements, we find hundreds and thousands of people hearing the gospel every day, and out of this abundant sowing, a growing harvest begins to take place. Conventional wisdom in the West has often taught a reasonable yet much less effective pattern of gospel transmission. You must first earn the right to share your faith, goes the traditional model. Once you have developed a friendship and demonstrate that you're really different, your lost friend will ask you what is special about your life. Then you can tell them about Jesus. You guys heard that before? A passionate purveyor of church planning movements denounced this Western model. We teach that it's not about you or earning the right to share your faith. Jesus earned the right when he died on the cross for us. Then he commanded us to tell others. If nature's principle of sowing abundantly to reap abundantly is true, then so it is the opposite. If you sow sparingly, you will also reap sparingly. Wherever hostile governments or societal pressures have succeeded in stifling Christian witness, church planning movements never get off the ground. This simple truth is so powerful, and yet so many well-intentioned missionaries accomplish every lofty ideal except this one. They have all their strategic plans, all their everything set up, but they miss this, this important part. A colleague working in the Middle East expressed his frustration over the lack of seed sowing in his country. In my country, he said, everyone says, we're not reaping harvest yet, but we're removing stones from the field. But the truth is, they haven't even begun sowing the seeds yet. If you ask, they will tell you, we're still clearing the fields so we can plant the gospel. We're picking up stones, picking up stones. And the missionary says, I'm sick to, sick to death of picking up stones. He exclaims, if God wants, he can turn these stones into sons of Abraham. So let's stop picking up stones and start telling people about Jesus. Uh, I like that. To remind them of the importance of abundant sowing, many strategy coordinators have prominently displayed one-page sign on their workstation that reads, How many of my people will hear the gospel today? If there's going to be a movement, when the answer must be in the thousands. In this book, this is actually the story of the church planning movement I was telling you. And this is called T for T by Steve Smith, if you want to write that down. Very, very challenging. 205, okay, it says, We must use spiritual means to find spiritual people. One successful trainer said it this way, We sift for persons of peace by using the gospel. In a training session, it became apparent that a longtime colleague and his team were seeing dramatic results in a very resistant people group. For seven years, they labored with no fruit, no believers, and no churches. How discouraging. At our meeting, he reported that in the eighth year, they began to see radically different results. So I asked him, what changed? In embarrassment, he said, we started sharing the gospel. (laughs) I said, excuse me, what did you say? Looking me in the eyes with sadness, he more loudly said, we started sharing the gospel. What do you mean? What do you mean? What did you do in the previous seven years? Steve, for seven years, we bought the lie that we had to build relationships first and slowly reveal our Christian identity. It took us years. We saw ourselves as picking up rocks to prepare the field to hear the gospel. We would drop little nuggets of truth, but not really the gospel. As we developed these relationships and got very close to these lost friends, we got nervous about sharing the gospel. We thought, what if they reject us? We began to forget the reason we were there. Finally, after seven years of no fruit, we got desperate. We shared the gospel with these friends, and they almost all rejected us. 
That's when we realize that our approach to relationship evangelism was getting us nowhere. We resolved as a team to share the gospel first and build relationships afterwards. We started sharing everywhere. We bridged into the gospel conversations with as many people as we could. A lot of people didn't respond, but we finally began to find some that said yes. And, in, and it is through these new believers that God is starting to build His kingdom. For seven years, they had been ta- ta- taking on the role that only the Spirit of God can take, picking up rocks, Ecclesiastes 11.19. And even then, when they were rejected, um, when they finally changed the way they saw for per- so, sought for persons of peace, they began to see fruit. Today, this missionary is a strong advocate for bridging into gov- gospel conversations quickly. Uh, oh, there's a, just a couple more paragraphs, so everyone bear with me. Take a deep breath here. Uh, another team was working among a very antagonistic people group. The oppression is so difficult that it is easy not to start talking about Jesus ever. But it's difficulty to find spiritually prepared people without spiritual means. Therefore, they established a five-minute rule for their team. In every conversation with a lost person, we will identify ourselves as followers of Jesus within five minutes. That was pretty heavy. <laughs> Man. And then this last one. Another colleague who was seeing a lot of people come to Christ was asked, Whom do you find to be the most responsive? He, he replied, Those I share the gospel with. 100% of those I do not share with do not respond. And so I, I just love these thoughts. It's just so good. You know, if you share the gospel, you're going to lead people to Christ. If you don't share the gospel, you're not going to lead people to Christ. It's, it's really that simple. 2 Corinthians 9.6 is a verse. It's actually talking about giving, but I think there's the principle of the harvest in this. It says, Now I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows generously will also reap generously. Another one is Ecclesiastes 11.6. Sow your seed in the, in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. So it's not your job to decide if this person is ready to hear the gospel or not. It's your job to, to gently and respectfully attempt to identify with Christ and set up a gospel appointment. And they'll, trust me, they'll let you know if they're not interested. And it, they, they actually will respect you. Like you saw that video last night. They will respect you for your love for them and your desire to stand up for what you believe. Another great one is 1 Corinthians 3. Everyone write this down. 5-8. through 8. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. I like this. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded for his labor. So it's not about you. It's about Jesus. We all have different roles, and some of us will lead more people to Christ than others. Some of us will disciple the people. But we all have been called to sow the gospel um, and let God decide what He wants to do. Galatians 6, 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I love that. So that's the first thing, sowing broadly. The next thing I want you guys to write down is boldness. If you're going to be used of God, you have to grow in your boldness. And... um, I think this is something that I've really grown in. We started at Life Impact. I got convicted. And I told you guys last night about how my brother and I, we would walk down the hall of our dorm hall, all four floors, every week for the whole semester, knock on the door, invite every single person. And we didn't really say... Oh, do you want to come to the spot? Which was our cool name for our Bible study where we bribed them with pizza and showed them Lord of the Rings clips and played fun games and just whatever it took to, to get them. Anything short of sin to get... We played poker tournaments. Anything short of sin to get these guys to tell them about Christ. And we just invited them. And we'd be like, you're coming to the spot, right? And they're like, oh, well, I need to... Study, you're like, oh, study, forget that, come on, come on, you gotta come. And so we ended up seeing God use that, you know, 15 to 20 st- freshman guys um, would come to this Bible study, and then we, we started sharing the gospel with them, some of them come to Christ, we didn't really know much about follow-up yet, but Max was meeting with both of us at the same time, so he had us listen to Born to Reproduce, and over time, we figured out what we were doing, we were like, oh, we got all these people, maybe we should disciple some of them. It was just so good, such good thing. And then God spoke to my brother David one time through Philemon 1.6. It says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so you may have a full understanding of every good, good thing we have in Christ. 
So we started this thing called Active at OU. And what we would do is we'd meet once a week, and whoever wanted to, we would pray, and we would go out, and we'd have a little survey approach and tracks, and we'd just go talk to random people, read the Steps to Peace with God booklet with them that Billy Graham wrote. We'd see a lot of people come to know Christ, but the thing that it did the most was really grow us in our boldness. Because if you can share like start a conversation randomly and do that, then you can do it with one of your friends or at a gospel. Gospel points are so much easier than that survey um, stuff. It's just like, I'm so glad I found this gospel appointment tool because it, it's, it's a good combination of relational evangelism and intentional um, uh, boldness. And then I went to Kenya. And I told you, I might have told you guys about that, but we went to Kenya and we started sharing the gospel at first God just, Chris, first of all, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, Christy, was praying for me for 30 minutes a day. Before I left, she said, I'm going to pray for you 30 minutes a day. And so God, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of worked in a lot of ways in my life. When we started witnessing, my brother and I would go out two by two, but we were so fired up that we were just like, well, we can reach more people if we go on our own. And there's so much fear involved when you're going by yourself, door to door in another country, knocking on doors. We got to the place where God worked in our heart, in our boldness, where we would go knock on a door. There'd be five or six Kenyan guys in there. And we would go, hey, I'm Paul. I'm from, um, I went, I go to Oklahoma, OU, from California. Good to meet you guys. Now everybody sit down. I take these tracks. I have a message for you guys I want to share. And I want you guys to listen up. People, distractions, like, you know, would you please, this is important, you know, please. It's just like God worked in the boldness. And there was times in that situation where there would be five guys in a room and every single guy would commit their lives to Christ in that room. And over the course of that summer, we saw 50 guys, 50 people pray to receive Jesus. And at the, actually a fun fact, at the beginning of that semester, for, it's just kind of more of a prayer thing, but it's interesting. I felt like in our prayer times, I felt like God was calling us to ask for uh, 50 people. I was like, and I, and I prayed very sheepishly. I was like, oh Lord, you know, you don't have to do this. It's not, you know, like, he, you know, whatever. I was, we, we were all kind of like very sheepish about it. But ended up that God answered that prayer. So don't be afraid to ask God for big things. I've been asking God this year on our campus for a hundred people to pray to receive Christ. And so we have 48 so far, so uh, maybe God will do a lot of stuff this spring, I hope. So we'll, we'll see. So don't be afraid. Uh, Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love that because one of the marks of being filled with the Holy Spirit is boldness. Acts 4.29, the early church, they were being threatened with persecution, death, and this is what they prayed for. They didn't pray that God would protect them. They, I didn't see it in their prayer at all. But they say, Now consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Acts 4.29 And then in, in verse 31 it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So one of the marks of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking the word of God boldly. Second Timothy, First Timothy 2.7 For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. God, when you are walking closer to God, He's going to grow that in your heart. But you need to step out. It's not the freedom from fear, um, which... I'll explain a little bit. But I want to give you two Proverbs that I think are really powerful. Proverbs 28.1. It says, The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Proverbs 29.25. It says, The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. So you're going to be, if you're afraid of what people think, if you're afraid of man, you're going to be trapped into your own self and God's going to be He's not going to be able to use you in the way you could. If you're willing to take some risks, step out, make some mistakes. My brother and I made a lot of mistakes, but God has taught us a lot. And 2 Corinthians 3.12, it says, Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. It doesn't mean that when you step out... Boldness does not mean the absence of fear. Boldness does not mean that you're not nervous when you do, when you share the gospel. 2 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, is Apostle Paul. You picture him as this big buff guy. Throw me to the lions, I'll rip their heads off, like stone me, I don't care. But this is what he said. 
When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not with words, with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I love that verse, because the apostle, when I share the gospel... I'm nervous, I sweat, I have all these doubts, but the Spirit of God shows up and uses me. I remember this a little bit back at Chico State. I had a meeting, a discipleship meeting with a guy, and he was having some really tough times, uh, even some almost spiritual warfare issues. I was talking to him, and it was just a really discouraging meeting. And I, ba- I kind of like to line my media meetings up back to back. So I had a gospel appointment right after that. And I went away from this meeting, to be honest, like totally discouraged, totally out of it. I didn't feel like I was filled with the Holy Spirit at all. I was just totally out of it. And I showed up. This guy was a really cool guy, really intimidating. And I was sitting across the table with him like, whoa, what am I going to do? So I just talked to him. And I was like, uh, I have this Bible study that has the gospel on it. You want to see it? And he, we, I turn it around and we look at it and I didn't even really get to read it like very much. I read some of it and then he would start reading ahead and that's me. That's sin. That separation from God. That's talking about me. And we read through and just, he got to the, we got to the prayer and he's like, yes, this is what I want. And he prays right there and he looks up and he's like, man, it's pretty, pretty emotional stuff. And it was just so cool to see that it's really not about me. It's not about how smooth I can be or how intelligent I can be. It's just about showing up, letting the word of God do its work and letting the Holy Spirit, um, touch people's hearts. So be encouraged about that. And then you look at the Apostle Paul also in Acts 20, 20. Everyone loves Acts 20.24, but this is kind of like a little bit of a setup for that. Acts 20.20, Paul says, You know I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. So that's how Paul did ministry. He didn't hesitate. He didn't get into the paralysis of analysis, trying to figure out, you know, I, I, I need to figure out where this person's at before I ever try to share Christ with them. God will show you and give you wisdom as you proclaim the good news. Acts 20. 31. Um, this is how Paul, Apostle Paul ended his life. He said, Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he was, he was trained to the prison guard in Rome. And t- this is how the Apostle Paul went out. He went out just proclaiming boldly and without hindrance, proclaiming the kingdom of God. And that's how Max is going out. That's how Waylon is going to go out. Um, they, Max, everywhere he goes, he has his real purpose of life track. And he's talking to the waitresses. And he's witnessing. He's going out. And this is something that I just, I want to be that kind of person. Acts 29.31. Okay, so... Okay, now, so that's some motivation. I, I want us to turn over the page, and we're going to get super practical on this, this, this tool, uh, gospel appointments. And I love it because I really believe it's a good fit, it's a good mix to your training in relational evangelism and your training in cold turkey or what is more appropriately called initiative evangelism. And I think, like I said last night, the best kind of evangelism is the kind that you do. And so it, I, I still practice and teach other people to do all different types of evangelism. But this is the method that I've found most helpful for us on our campus, so I wanted to share it with you guys. So the benefit of using a gospel appointment is they're simple to set up. As you saw in the video last night, that was kind of the first thing a lot of them said, was this this method, it's easy to set up. Second thing, they're ideal setting to get to know someone. You have a whole hour or half an hour just to hear their story, share yours, and get to know them. It is relational evangelism. This is, gospel appointments are relational evangelism is a relational evangelism. Except for the gospel is the first thing you do, not the last thing. The gospel is the start of a relational evangelism relationship, not the end of a relationship evangelism relationship. So the next thing is they're perfect for you to discover their story and share your story. Now that's kind of part of the whole point. Um, next thing is they minimize distractions. I can't tell you how many times I've been at a party 
or in the dorm hall when I've, I've been witnessing to someone in the dorm and their roommate will come out and tell, hey man, what's up? You know, or whatever, or we've been at a party and you're, you're drawing the bridge illustration with them like while the music's bumping in the background. And it's just not as natural as sitting at a coffee shop where the, even if you do see some of your friends, they know you're at a meeting and they're not going to bother you too long. So it minimizes distractions. The next thing is that they emphasize the importance of what you're talking about. I really think when someone has a meeting with you, the Holy Spirit starts to convict them even before the meeting. And I believe they start thinking, oh, what do I believe about God? What do I think about this Christianity stuff? So then God prepares their hearts. And you would also think that people might be nervous like coming to the gospel appointment, but I, out of the people I've met with, it's, it's very rare. That's, because people in our college culture are very used to the idea of let's get coffee, let's talk about stuff, let's talk about life. And so it's very natural. And then six, there's plenty of time to share a full gospel presentation. You don't have to rush through this little sketch. or You, don't, you, can, you can take your time, explain, answer their questions, usually 30 minutes to an hour. Um, some of the girls take like an hour and a half. And a guy I work with, Tim, he's kind of wordy, and uh, so he takes like a, a little bit longer. But I love that guy. And I, I'm like so quick, I don't know. And then the next thing is they are great for setting up follow-up meetings. It's a perfect opportunity. You're like, man, this was fun. Whether or not they accept Christ, you can just be like, this was great. Like, you want to do this again on Saturday? Or does this time work for a weekly time that we could do this and start meeting and talking about Christ? And there's some things I want to show you. And then eight, if they do not accept Jesus, it's ideal setting for initiating a relational evangelism friendship. And I already emphasized this, is that it's, it's the start Gospel, the gospel is the start of your evangelistic relationship, not the last thing. And we've seen a lot of, there's a guy named John. Tim shared the gospel with him. He's totally kind of like pretty skeptical, almost against what we were doing. But Tim did a gospel appointment, first thing with him. John really respected that. And that's so many times we've seen people, we share the gospel with, they're like, man, like, I don't, I don't want to accept Christ, but I really respect like the way you did this. And this is really like, really cool that you guys care enough to sit down with people. And um, I've been thanked so many times by people that are just like, oh man, this personal touch. People are looking for that personal touch on our campuses. Like, we live in a shallow society where most of their friends, your conversation, your one-hour meeting, gospel appointment, might be the most meaningful conversation they have their entire college career. And probably for a lot of these non-believers. So just think about that. And then um, anyone can be trained to do this. That's another thing. Anyone can be trained. And then they work. In a little over two and a half years, we started doing this gospel appointment stuff. We've seen over 100 students pray to receive Christ. So um, that's really exciting. So how do we do it? Now get ready. This is where you're going to start um, practicing a little bit. First thing is to start a conversation with a non-Christian or someone you're not 100% sure where they're at spiritually. I don't try to... Even with if someone says they're a Christian, I still set up a gospel appointment with them just to find out. Because... Uh, our, our basis is kind of on the gospel anyway. And so I do it. I basically just set up gospel appointments with everyone because I love them and I want to make sure they get it. And I want them to reproduce that in, in their life. I want them, I want the first thing they do with people they start meeting with is to share the gospel. So I think that's powerful. So use fire, find common ground, interest relationships and experience. So find common ground would be like, hey, I like your hat, bro. It's nice. Go, go Giants or whatever. Um, interest. So what do you like to do for fun? What do you like to do for fun? Relationships. Do you know Ryan? Do you know so-and-so? You know the do you know game? I hate that game, but it's, it's okay. It's a good thing to play. And then I love this one. What is your family like? Do you have brothers and sisters? And that's, that's a great one to take it a little bit deeper. And then I just go right into spiritual things. I say, yeah, one thing I do on campus is this thing called Christian Challenge. And since I'm on staff, I say, yeah, I'm on staff with this, this group called Christian Challenge. But you guys can be like, one fun thing I'm, I love to do is get involved in Christian Challenge. Have you ever had any interest in spiritual things? And just that question. Have you ever been involved in anything like that? Or did you ever go to church growing up as a kid? Like, did your parents, did you ever have any church background? And that's all that, that's like, I try to keep it in the moment of setting it up. I keep it, this is the process of setting up an appointment. So you're not going into the full gospel. You're just 
broaching the subject on spiritual things. So I want you guys to practice. Turn to one other person and go through this fire acrostic. Just have a little fun with it. One person be the non-Christian. One person be the Christian. And then if there's time, switch and practice with the other person. So get after it. Let's do it. All right. I know you're not done, but that's okay. You guys get the idea. So you, that's pretty simple. It's pretty easy. Just okay. Come on. Okay. So it's really easy. Just common ground. Anything. Something is better than nothing. Interests. What are you interested in? Relationships. Experience with spiritual things. And a side note. A lot of times when you have a plan or like a thing, an acrostic or a gospel appointment sheet, there's always someone that kind of says, oh, this is the canned approach. This is like, I want to just follow the Spirit and do whatever. I like to ask those people, so how many people is the Spirit leading you to share the gospel with, you know? Like, and and another thing, like, in, in having an intentional plan, it's actually the loving thing to do. Think about when I proposed to my wife, we had, I, I planned that date, man. It was, if you want to ask me about it later, it was, it was an epic one. But, um, uh, I, I, I wrote her a poem and I, I practiced what I was going to say. That didn't make it any, that wasn't canned. That wasn't, that didn't make it any less special. It actually made it more special that I was able to think through what I was going to say. And so I think in sharing the gospel, we should start with a plan and be open to how the Spirit leads us to defer from that. Uh, it's just wise to have something that you're going to try to do. And so the next thing is, in the context of your, your conversation, make sure to take any advantage to identify with Christ. And this kind of goes with the E category. It says, yet I'm involved. I like to say, just it's easy. I say, yeah, I'm involved in this campus group called Challenge. Uh, Christian challenge. Or I say, well, yeah, we just got back from this fun trip. Or I was hanging out playing volleyball with the people at challenge. Or I've been learning a lot about having a relationship with God. Just anything. Something is better than nothing. I really do not care what you say as long as you identify with Christ. And then ask them a quick spiritual question. Like, do you have any interest in spiritual things? Or did you grow up going to church or anything like that? I like those too. But again, something is better than nothing on these ones. And then the thing I do, no matter what they say, I love this phrase. I just say, oh, that's interesting. Because <laughs> you're not saying, oh, that's good. You know, like, I'm a Muslim. You know, like, oh, that's good. No, it's, it, that's interesting. You know, hey, I've been learning a lot about having a relationship with God. And uh, maybe we could get together sometime for lunch or coffee and talk more about this. Does that sound good to you? What time would work for you? I kind of give them that. Okay, what time would work for you? So it's really easy just to, that's interesting. Hey, I've been learning some pretty helpful things about having a relationship with God. Maybe we could get together sometime for lunch or coffee and I could share more about that. And then after that, always make sure this is the point where you have to zip your lip. You ask them that question and you just let them respond. They might think, this is a fun thing. I've never had anyone flat out say, no, I'm not interested in that. I've had some people say, oh, I'm really busy this part of the semester, and that kind of gives them their way out. But I've never had someone just be like, no, you know, I'm not really interested in that. And it's, it's interesting. I, I, I would think that would happen more often. But I've found that most people are really open and really want to talk to someone about spiritual things and open to building a relationship with you and hearing your story and hearing what God's done in your life. Don't buy the lie that everyone's just closed. That's just not true. So now I want you guys to do that. Do those three things. I want you guys to identify with Christ, ask them a quick spiritual question, and set up a meeting. Oh, I got one more thing. The next point, number five. Go back to a casual conversation and just hang out with him. I always, you know, I like, so what are your plans for this weekend? That way it's not like you're just diving into this this deep, long conversation in the midst of a party, you're just like, you set up the meeting, and then you're going to go deep at the meeting, so just be like, yeah, so how about the Niners, or, you know, whatever, whatever your team is. I'm, I'm NorCal, so you can see how, Northern California, for, okay. Um, you know, you guys are... So go ahead and turn to someone and try doing those four things. Identify with Christ, ask them a quick spiritual question, set up a meeting, and even practice getting their number and, like, you're going to text them. I'll text you. Like, set up a time to meet. And this might, guys, this might be a good opportunity for you. So, um, um, Go back to a, and then go back to the casual conversation and just hang out. So go ahead and do that.
You're done? Did anyone get a meeting? No, it takes too long. Uh, one meeting, good job, okay. Okay, good, everyone. You guys, so now you guys know how to kind of do that. I, I, I love that. And that, you can do this, fire, and then those things to set up a meeting. You can do that anywhere in the world. Any, you know, you can do this anywhere. It can be at, at class, at a party, at your sorority, at your fraternity, at your, with your athletes that you minister to or whatever. Whatever you, wherever you are, this is it. But then there's a specialized version of this that we've developed for our campus for specific campus ministry events, challenge events for our large group meeting, small groups, or any kind of fun event that's sponsored by Challenge. It's really simple. Start a conversation about any topic. Hi, I'm Paul. I like your shirt. No need to transition. No need to transition or do anything fancy. Just say this. Hey, it would be great to get lunch or coffee sometime, and we could get to know each other, and I could tell you more about what Christian Challenge is about. Explain to you some, some of the stuff that are most important to us. Do you want to, what time sounds good? You know, tomorrow at lunch, is that good? And that's what we do. We do this with every single person, new person that comes to our large group meeting. Because we love them and we want to be a sticky ministry. We want people to feel loved when they come. And we want them to get connected and discipled and to get saved. And um, people... I found that, at least on our campus, students are not offended by this. They are very loved by this. I just encourage you guys to pray about doing that. Anytime you see a new person, just do this. I want you guys to, again, this shouldn't take long. So just practice doing this. Start a conversation and just say that phrase to the other person and then set up the meeting. So go ahead and try that. Do it again. Okay. You should be done. Good job. Now, did anyone get a meeting? Okay, good. You guys are catching on. It's not that complex. Um, so, but I love that phrase, I can tell you more about what our group's about. So, because what is our group about? Our group is about Jesus. Our group is about the gospel. I'll explain a little bit now about once you have the meeting. I have an appointment, now what? The first thing is more like, I have an appointment, now what? So pray like crazy. Sometimes you can fast or set aside some time to pray for your friend. Recruit people from your group. I have a text message prayer team of about 50 people that almost every time I have a gospel appointment, I shoot out a text to 50. Hey, I meet with Brian at 12. You guys, please pray for me. Pray for him. And um, it's so cool to see people celebrating with you and a team effort. Your, your leadership team needs to be a team in loving each other and celebrating when people come to faith in Christ. So the next thing is make sure to confirm the meeting that day, time and location, through a phone call. I like text. I just send, hey, Brian, just 12 at, at the coffee shop still work for you. And that way, because college students sometimes tend to forget about things. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not one anymore. So the third is uh, bring your lesson. Oh, your gospel lesson? We have a, I kind of ripped off some stuff from other people and created this gospel lesson. It's a, just an in-depth gospel presentation that if you email me, my email's at the bottom of the sheet, I can send you it. And we just have our students take that and read it with the people. But So bring that, or if you want to do, draw the bridge, bring a piece of paper and a pen. Or if you have a track that you really like, then bring your track. Or if you do the Romans Road with the Bible. I don't care what you do. Like Just share the gospel with the person. So bring Bring whatever you need. I also like to bring an, an extra Bible sometimes for the person because a lot of times people don't have Bibles. So I'm um, doing that. And the next thing is start by talking casually that you're at the meeting. Start by talking casually, breaking the ice, having small talk. But you've already set up the meeting, so you have you can pretty quickly jump into deeper things like family and upbringing. Kind of go a little deeper than you did before about the upbringing. And then I just three story is the way to remember it. It's their story. So I was, the one reason that, one of the reasons I wanted to meet with you was I was curious about hearing your spiritual story, your spiritual background. What's that? And then just, they share. And sometimes it's, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, like really long thing. And then sometimes it's, it's just, I guess I don't really have much of that. And that's fine too. And, you know, and then that's again where you just go, well, that's interesting. Like, let me tell you my, my story. And this is where I share my 30 second 
testimony. Like, it's just, I grew up in a Christian home and I accepted Christ when I was very young. But all through high school, I had very much a lot of emptiness and I was very self-focused, was really full of anxiety and full of myself. When I got to college, I got connected with these people at the BSU, or I say challenge, a challenge that really taught me how to love God, how to read the Bible, how to connect in, with Jesus. And it's really given me purpose. It's changed my life. And um, it's just really something that I, I, I love. Now that's just like 30. And I need to do a better job really writing out, thinking about my... It's really smart to write out your testimony and get it down a little bit more pat. But something like that. I just share like a 30 second to one minute version of my testimony. And then I don't, again, I don't like let it, I just go straight into the gospel lesson. And then so at the end of my my testimony, I share, yeah, something we do as a part of challenge is these Bible lessons, these one-on-one discipleship Bible lessons. You mind if I show you one? As I'm saying that, I'm actually reaching into my backpack and pulling out the list. You mind if I show you one? And, and they're always, they're always like, I've never had anyone say no. I've never had anyone say no. People are like, yeah, sh- sure, show me what you got. That's why we're meeting. And so we set up the meeting. And so we, I pull out the lesson. And what I do is really impressive. I read the sheet with him. I, I read it. How many of you guys can read? Okay. Can you, can, how many of you guys can talk to people? Okay. Then you can lead people to Christ. If you can read and you can talk to people, you can lead people to Christ. We just read the, this lesson. It has Bible verses. It explains it. And we just explain lordship. We explain sin. We explain what Jesus did on the cross. Salvation. We explain lordship and repentance and ask them. There's a little prayer at the bottom of the sheet that we say, why don't you read this? Don't pray it yet. Just read it over silently and see if that shows the desire of your heart. And then this is another point where you zip your lip. You let God's Spirit work. And I just sit there, pray for Him, and then I just ask, or sometimes I forget to pray for Him because I'm so nervous. I just, you know, I just, and then I just ask Him, like, is this, is this something that you want, shows the desire of your heart? Is this something you want to pray to God? It's amazing how many times people are just like, yeah. This is what I want. This is I want a relationship with Christ. And then I just I just say, man, that's so good. That's exciting. And I just ta- I just say, well, I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to thank God for our time. And then I'm going to tap you on the shoulder. And I, what I ask you to do is just read this prayer off. These are not magic words, but you can add your own words. Just say these things to God and commit your life to Christ. Okay, does that sound good? And then and then I just say, Lord, thank you for for Brian. Thank you that he wants to commit his life to you. I pray that you would show yourself to him in a very real way, in Jesus' name. And then I tap him on the shoulder, and then he knows to pray quietly out loud. It's so powerful to hear the prayers of these people that um, have just, they they pray, that either they read it off, or sometimes they go off on some long-winded thing, and and it has nothing to do really with the salvation prayer. And I'm like, well, praise God, I mean... These guys are responding to the gospel, so, uh, and so and then when they look up and seeing the look in their eyes as they they Jesus is coming to their life, it's just so awesome. Um, there's nothing more exciting than seeing people put their faith in Christ. Well, there's one one more thing that's there's one thing that's more exciting is seeing those that you've reached and trained and leading other people to Christ. I th- I think that's like. That's a lot more. That's a lot more exciting to see those you've trained lead others. Sorry about that, guys. It's, I get, get excited about this stuff. And then make the invitation clear. I kind of just explained that. The next thing, if they say no, which will happen, ask just respectfully. This is a key word. Respectfully, everybody circle that word. Respectfully, ask them what is keeping them from making this commitment. Don't be pushy. Or try to force the decision. Because this is your first meeting with the person. You don't need to be like, oh, turn or burn, baby. You know, like, you just need to be gentle. You know, First Peter says to treat the person, I think it's 3.15. You know, do this with gentleness and respect. So you need to be gentle and respectful. And, and this is an opportunity, if they say no, to try to start, say yes. Something we can do is, if you're curious and you have questions, we can meet and study the Gospel of John together, and I can answer your questions. Again, we've seen this happen. People say no know at the meeting, but they still get involved in challenge, and over time, God works on their heart, they decide to become followers of Christ. This is not a one-time thing, this is a start of a long-term relationship. If they say, say yes, show your excitement, but don't make a scene. Don't be like, whoa, you know, everybody, just, you know, just... <laughs> 
you know, but be excited because it is. It's really exciting. And let your let it show. And then after they pray, what I just explained how to do that, just just celebrate. And then this is really important. Set up a appointment, a follow-up meeting on the spot. Do not leave that meeting, if possible, without setting up an appointment because it's so important that you, you do that. And that's a whole other lesson that um, Max, you should listen to Max's talks on that, on follow-up. It's, it's gold right there. Another thing, you're, you're going to lead, this is, if you do this, you're going to lead some people to Christ and you're gonna, if you sow broadly, you're going to lead some people to Christ. And some of those people actually won't end up wanting to meet with you. Or they won't want to get involved in Christian Challenge. They'll want to go to Crew, and or they'll want to go to University, or or they'll get involved in a church. Or maybe they you just they won't want anything to do with you anymore. Like even after you had a good relationship, you didn't do anything wrong. It was just some people fall away. They get busy. They they get a girlfriend. And that happens a lot. They they just things happen, and you're gonna lose some of the people that you lead to Christ. Don't get discouraged about that. Do everything you can do in your power through prayer and follow-up. The parable of the sower, um, you see the sower, he, one out of three of those seeds actually succeeded. So I think if you can have, just, you know, you pray for the highest percentage possible, but don't get discouraged if some of the people end up not making it. And just keep on looking for more persons of peace, more people that God is working in. And you never know what the seed that you planted from the gospel appointment or that Christ actually has come into their life, people, it is possible for people to walk in rebellion for years and then repent and come back to Christ. And the Holy, if the Holy Spirit's in there, He's going to get them eventually. So I just think that's exciting. And then one more side note. When your friends lead other people to Christ, celebrate with them. Because the Bible says in Luke that there's a party in heaven every time someone accepts Jesus, every time a sinner repents. So don't be what I like to call the wet blanket brigade. You know, someone someone comes in, they're all fired up, they're excited about, oh man, I just pray, you know, John, Brian just led just accepted Christ and it was so awesome, like this is great. And don't be that guy that's like still reading your book or or still playing your video games, put down your stupid video games and listen to your friend's story about how they accepted Christ. Celebrate with them and don't don't say, uh, well, we'll see if you really meant it. You know, like don't throw some like off the wall like theological statement out there out of your jealousy uh, or whatever it is. Like I just I just think that's something that uh, just to think about. Um and, and and celebrate in your ministries. Celebrate change lives, celebrate decisions, because a leadership principle is you always get what you celebrate. So I'm going to celebrate evangelism. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And there was this little man, it was years ago, but this little man that lived in Sydney, Australia. He was a sailor, and he accepted Christ at a young age. And he decided, out of just sheer love for Jesus, he decided that he was going to witness to ten people a day for as long as he could. He was just, he didn't know what he was doing, so he just went out every day, and he had little, goofy little tracks, and he would walk up to people and he'd say, Excuse me, sir, if you died right now and God asked you, Why should I let into heaven? What would you say? And that's all he did. Ten people a day. He just did that for ten people a day. Every day on this little street, a busy street called George Street. This London pastor, years later, this London pastor was preaching at his church. And a lady came up to him and said, um, this, I wanted to share, you, share with you my testimony. This little old man, on, I was in Australia. I ran into him and he, he just popped out of nowhere and, and, and handed me this track. And he said, excuse me, ma'am, if you die right now and God asked you why should I land into heaven, what would you say? And that really struck me. And I, I ended up talking to someone else and figuring out how I could get right with God. And then he, this London pastor flew to America to train these army chaplains in reaching other people for Christ. And two or three of these army chaplains said, you know, we were on, the, we were on our boat um, docked in Sydney Harbor, and we went out onto this, this place called George Street. And this little 
obnoxious little white-haired man came out and, and handed me this check, cheap junk. They, and, but it really, something happened and God penetrated my heart. And that was the moment that God really started to draw me to himself. And then the London pastor was speaking in India for a bunch of missionaries. And he was talking with a leader of thousands, who's a leader of literally thousands of missionaries in India. And the, the Indian said, you know, I was, I was on business in Sydney. And I got off on George Street. And I was doing some shopping for my kids. And this little man was very respectful and nice. And he came up and he said, excuse me, sir. If you died right now and God asked you, why should I let into heaven? What would you say? He took that, went home to India. And he went to his Hindu priest. And that, he asked him that question. And the Hindu priest said, I can't really help you with that question. But I know a missionary down the street that, that can... Um, I think can give you the answer to that question. And so that missionary, that Indian man went to the missionary and the, the missionary led him to Christ and now he's leading, leading hundred. and now he, well at least he's probably dead now, but he has been leading thousands of missionaries and they're winning thousands of people to Christ through that missions organization. So this London pastor went to Sydney one time and he he went to the George Street area and went to the Baptist church where this man went and he, or he didn't know exactly so he asked around and he's like do you guys know the little old man that passes out tracks on, on George Street and they're like oh yeah it's Mr. Gino I don't even know how to spell that G-U-N-O-R or something it's uh but he's too old now. He's too old and frail and elderly. So he doesn't really pass out, do that anymore. And so he's like, he got his info and went to the house. And he went in and sat down and talked to this man. And this little man was, was just hunched over, sipping tea, shaking as he, as he sipped his tea. And this pastor told that man of all the accounts of people that accepted Jesus. And that, that man just, started having tears streaming down his face because he said, you know, my story goes like this. I got saved 40 years ago um, as a sailor, or maybe it was more like 50 because he was pretty old by then. I don't remember exactly, but... But he said, I was so grateful that I decided I was going to preach the gospel and witness to 10 people a day. And I wasn't legalistic about it. Some days I missed, but I made for it other days. And I did this for 40 or 50 years. And I have never seen one person pray to receive Jesus. And he says he was so grateful that that London pastor came and told him that. And then he died several weeks later. You can imagine... He he never probably spoke at a conference on how to witness. He never got a write-up in any magazines or any publicity. But you can imagine what what Jesus said when he came to him. When he met Jesus, um, Jesus said, Well done, good and faithful servant. And you can imagine all the people that have been reached by this man just faithfully for 40 years saying, excuse me, sir, and passing out a track. So it always makes a difference. God's going to do far more through your life and in your life than you can possibly imagine. Actually, they did a little, they tried to count the numbers. It was, it actually was 40 years through this man, through the multiplication, there was 147,000 people that prayed to receive Jesus. And he had never seen one of them until that London pastor came and told him about that. I just want to encourage you guys. Let's so broadly, let's share the gospel. And let me just let's pray for you guys. Father, uh, I just thank you so much for this exciting, just thrilling opportunity we have to just reach people for you. And so I pray that we wouldn't listen to the lies of Satan. We wouldn't listen to our doubts or get into overanalyzing things, but we would just love people enough to tell them about Jesus and that you would use each one of us in this room, like I prayed last night, to lead one person to faith in you this year and that we, next time we have a conference, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even be able to fit in here anymore. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.